Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is the man who enjoyed a 12-year Major League career. He was a three-time All-Star, key member of the 1986 World Champion New York Mets. In 1993, he was a runner-up in the MVP voting to Barry Bonds. He has a Silver Slugger Award. In 1983, he led the Carolina League in at-bats, runs, hits, triples, batting average, and stolen bases. His 105 stolen bases was a league record that stood for 17 years. His former teammate and friend... Billy Bean of Moneyball fame once said he was the perfectly designed emotionally to play baseball and that he had no concept of failure. It is always great to welcome him to WLIE 540 AM Sports Talk New York to talk baseball, a member of the 1986 New York Mets World Championship team, number four in your program, you know, and obviously number one in your heart, Lenny Nails Dykstra. Welcome, Lenny. That was so good. Dude, I mean, I was getting blood flow, bro. <laughs> Remember, you're on Sports Talk, Lenny, not Howard. So keep the blood flow to yourself, okay? Yeah. You got it, you got it, bro. You got it. <laughs> All right, Lenny, there is just so much to talk about in the world of baseball. Before we get to the Mets, who's which, which made news this week, and you made news, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the other things that happened this week in baseball. A little more than a week ago, there was a, an incident with Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper and subsequent suspensions. So much was made of that incident. First, the fact that Strickland waited three years because of two home runs Harper hit off of him in the 2014 playoffs. Second, that teammate of Hunter Strickland, Buster Posey, stood by and allowed Bryce Harper to charge the mound. Thirdly, Bryce Harper did kind of a Bush League move by deking throwing the helmet at Strickland, threw it to the side, you know, diverting Strickland's attention and then sucker punched him. Uh, you know, so let's get your thoughts on all of that. First of all, have you ever done something to a pitcher that would have pissed him off so long that it would have waited three years to hit you? I mean, I mean, it happens. It depends. Remember, number one, pitchers aren't that smart, okay? <laughs> um, I mean, actually, I'm wrong about that. They're the smartest ones of all. They only have to play... 35 games, that's if they're healthy all season. They would have to start 35 games and not have to finish, play seven innings, not have to worry about hitting and make $20 million. So maybe they're the smartest ones of all. But what, 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 that whole Bryce Harper incident, uh, a couple things on that. Like when you're charging the mound like that, things are happening so fast. He didn't really, it's more of a, like when he threw the helmet and it kind of went, you know, like way off, but I, he tried to throw it at him. And uh, the bottom line is, you know, Strickland's, uh, you know, let's say, I don't know where he's from, but he's like kind of a country hillbilly, big old boy. Uh, but um, I don't know, maybe Strickland hadn't faced Harper in a long time. I'm not sure, but um, it was pretty obvious that he, he drilled him and Harper did the right thing. And, and I actually commend Major League Baseball for only suspending Harper for three games. Interesting. So, so you're, you're in the situation, and it goes back, you know, grudges for three years. Who went, you said they both were repping, who went, if anybody went over the line, who went more over the line? Strickland well, and it doesn't, even, it doesn't matter, though, because he, he hit him no matter if it was 
because he was you know doing his wife or maybe whatever <laughs> meaning but he intentionally hit him yeah. and and so Harper did what a man would do and he went after him and that's the world world works I mean I mean pretty soon players are going to wear first uniform it's ridiculous well you know it's also interesting if you go back to your team there was a guy who was released you know partly because of performance partly because he sat on a bench when the bench is cleared, and that's George Forster. You know, Forster sat you know, in that fight with you know, Ray Knight and Eric Davis in Cincinnati, and a few days later he was released. Sure. You know, George Bust- Foster. Let me just help you out so we don't have to, like, so we can move on to something that means something. Yeah. George <laughs> Foster might be the weirdest, most peculiar, odd man I've ever met. <laughs> Meaning, like, we'd have a pitching change, and, like, you know, Center walks over, left over, they kind of meet in the middle. And we meet, and he wouldn't say nothing. Like, not one thing. Just meaning, well, my boy Mook at least talks. You don't have a little bit of bad breath working at me. But, but George, he looked uh, distant, man. And, um, I mean, that tells you how bad of an influence the guy was when they released him when we were, like, I don't know, 20 up, whatever. Right. So, but do you have a problem with Buster Posey? The number I mean, one rule the, the, of baseball. The difference between George Foster and Buster Posey is that George Foster, as Lenny said, was not you know a leader on the team. Right. Buster Posey is the catcher well, and the star. It's also, is. Isn't it also an unreasonable yeah. Buster, Buster, but, but you can tell he's soft. Remember, some guys aren't don't like to fight. I mean, Buster Posey can hit. Listen, he's a great catcher, but you know he might he might be you know he might have a little you know little uh, you know like. Um, you know, Bucky's Firm Club, man. Who knows? Where's he from? I don't know. Where did he grow up? He grew up in Wells? I don't know. But some guys don't want to tangle up, and he obviously wanted no part of it because he waited and waited and waited, whereas a guy like my guy Darren Dalton or somebody would have tackled him. And like I said, you know, not everybody, just because they can hit doesn't mean that, you know, they like to, you know, scrap it out, you know? Gotcha. You know, also, when you started your major league career in 1985, there were only three men in the history of baseball with 600 or more home runs, Aaron, Ruth, and Mays. When you retired in 96, there were still only three since. Then there's six more have joined the 600 club. Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr., Jim Tomey, Sammy Sosa. And this past week, maybe with the least fanfare of all of them, Albert Pujols joined that exclusive club. Does the inclusion of at least three known steroid users somehow tarnish that number? And why don't you think that Pujols gets his due? It, you know, when you mention the greats of the game, I don't know how many people would put Albert Pujols up there. Well, I agree with you on that part, but let me just tell you, I mean, you, you hit a subject where I don't know how you knew about it, but I literally had to be escorted out of you know the Hall of Fame when I headquarters over in Cooperstown when – you know, every year it's a, it's a huge deal where players are there to sign autographs and make money, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, because, you know, like when you get this big organization called the federal government down you, they, like, want you to give them money. So I have to earn money to pay for people that don't want to work uh, food stamps. So that's what I do. It's a joke, by the way. Courtesy left. Courtesy left. I, I was laughing, anyway, lady. <laughs> the, the, the bottom line is I did have it out with him. I said, I want to know how the three best players in all of baseball are not in the Hall of Fame. How is Barry Bond, Roger Clemens, and Pete Rose not in the Hall of Fame? 
Meaning, and they had no time to answer because I was firing. I was like a lawyer, which lawyers, do, what do they do? They sell. I mean, one guy sells, you have 12 jurors better than the other guy. So I said, what's the threshold? I want to know. Calm down, Mr. Dykstra. No, I am calm. What's the threshold? What if a guy beats his wife? Is that okay? What if he takes instead of me? Is that okay? So what, is this a good guy contest, or what is it? Is this a Hall of Fame for baseball or Hall of Fame for being a great husband and a great father? Which I commend, by the way, if you are. I commend you. But this isn't about that. This is about the game of baseball. So amphetamines were okay. And remember, I took all of them, so I can tell you. And amphetamines were way more useful than the other stuff. Amphetamines took you north. When you had a long road trip, okay, and you had to get back and you had to tee it up, you need to go north. So... So, like, what's the threshold? And you know what they said? The same thing anyone would say. We don't know. Yeah. It's just throwing darts at the board. Well, man. it's also, I mean, the uh, the issue is that writers are the guys that vote for the Hall of Fame. And, you know, and some guys don't even get in, you know, in the case of Mike Piazza, because of suspicion for a while, yeah. you know. And, and some yeah, guys. Yeah, no, no, right. Piazza didn't. He's right, exactly. He never got caught. Right. I mean, like, there's not pictures of him. I didn't like mine haven't hit on TMZ. Have they about with the needle in my ass? Right? You know? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Um, I just but but remember you heard it on your show first. Um, that's a joke, by the way. But what, <laughs> we but, we but, gave but, you the courtesy laugh, Len. <laughs> yeah, thanks. By the way, an ass is not like a word where we can get in trouble because, or maybe I should say buttocks or something. But anyway, let's talk back about the. I mean. So there's no logical answer for that, is what I'm trying to say. Because you either get a little bit pregnant or you don't. Meaning you either take something to help your performance or you don't. So if you're taking amphetamine, you're taking a PAD, man. Right. The same thing as steroids. Like, what's the difference? You know, it's I mean, Lance Armstrong was taking some kind of high-tech, $6 million man, like crazy blood thing. And, like, they could, like, tell the amount of he, dope he needed so he could win the race. Okay, so what's the, what dope is the right dope and what dope is not? It gets me very irritated. And if you take Barry Barnes' stats, the first 10 years, the first 10 years when he was in Pittsburgh, their fifth best overall. So, anyways, that's my issue with the Hall of Fame, and uh, you guys brought up that subject, and and I'll go down there again. I'll sign autographs for free just so I can ask them again. So let's get back to what started the whole conversation here, which is the fact that Albert Pujols seems to have gotten very little love for hitting 600 home runs. Now he played in St. Louis, which is a great baseball town. He's playing now in close to Los Angeles, right. so it's the Los Angeles market. So why do right. you think that a player like Albert Pujols, who doesn't have the allegations of steroids, who doesn't have anything, you know, who's a family guy, big in charities in St. Louis, uh, why doesn't he get the type of love that other guys get when they hit 600 home runs? So the, que the question is, like, he's not a steroid guy, you're saying, right? Right. That for, we know. For, for okay. we know. That we know. we know. Yeah. Not as one of the guys. Yeah. That... No, no, in fact, I don't, I don't think he is either because I can tell and, like, just like with my like women when I'm on dates, like I know early. So I say, you see that door? You turn the handle to the left, okay? And then you follow the signs that say exit. Anyway, where I'm going with this is, is the, the, the bottom line is Albert Pujols 
I don't, it didn't look like he did steroids. I mean, Albert Hill Pulis is, was a, is a great hitter. I mean, he's just, he's, again, our system, the way they've been, you know, the union. And by the way, all two of the players make as much money as you can, but they reward the players in their 30s, meaning these guys are making 15, 20 million in their 30s with their performance is going straight downhill. I have all the facts to prove it. I have charts. I have everything else. And at 33, a player is pretty much done. But that's the way the system works, and obviously the owners are making so much money, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, here's the thing, and maybe this is a, a good segue to this question. All right, um, and this will be the last one before we start talking about the Mets, which is, is where you made news this week. Um, Mike Schmidt, the former Phillies great, came under fire for a statement he made about Adubel Herrera on 94 WIP's morning show. Uh, Schmidt was asked whether Herrera could be a player a team could build around, and Mike not only detailed the Herrera's strong points and his weaknesses, but he cited the language barrier that could hinder his relationship with teammates because Herrera is Venezuelan, his first language is Spanish. He uses an interpreter when he speaks uh, to the media. He's, and Schmidt said, my honest answer to that would be no because of a couple of things. First of all, it's a language barrier. Because of that, I think he can't be a guy that would sort of sit in a circle with four or five American players, talk about the game, or try and learn the game or discuss the inner workings of the game, or come over to a guy and say, man, you got to run that ball out. Just can't be because of the language barrier, that kind of a player. The same day, Mike had to issue an apology saying, it's been known to me that my answer on radio interview this morning to that question, can the Phillies build a team around Adubel Herrera, was disrespectful to Herrera and Latin players in general. I'm very sorry that this was a misrepresentative uh, mis- representation. Uh, this, is, this is getting painful, bro. I'm going to take a Xanax, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing is, is do you think that why did Schmidt have to apologize? I kind of agree with that. You know, how can I mean, he be a team I, leader? The bottom line is Mike Schmidt is Mike Schmidt is Xanax, by the way. So let's stay on point. <laughs> I mean, the reason why how I mean awesome. this guy was a great player. Come on, man, I played against him. The guy put up numbers that are astronomical, and you go around Philadelphia and you ask about Mike Schmidt. The fans will look at you like you're talking about a redhead stepchild. Because they don't like, see, in Philadelphia and New York, they want to see guys work, man. They want to make it, they want to see that it's hard on a guy to be good. Whereas Mike, everything came so easy to him. Meaning the guys, I mean, I played golf with the guy. He drives at 300 yards. I mean, everything, he's just a gifted athlete. And in Philadelphia, they don't like it when things come easy to you, see. And Mike Schmidt had a, just kind of a quiet career, pounded out 500-plus home runs, and, you know, was a great defensive third baseman. So, you know, as, as far as that goes, that just talks of, that shows you what marketing does. That shows you, you know, the whole thing about, you know, I, I told one of my buddies who's an agent and he represents, you know, Christian Yelich in Miami in the last couple of years. He's hit 300 but never sniffed an all-star game. And that's because he's in Miami. I said, well, let's get some social media out there on him and let's burn him up and, you know, da-da-da-da-da, because that's where the game's going. That's how it plays popularity game. You know, it, it, one of the things about Schmitz, it raises a question in terms of the difference between when he played and probably when you played and now, and, and it's the percentage of, you know, Spanish-speaking players on the team, how much it's increased. And it raises the question, can there really does it have to be one leader in the clubhouse 
Can there be two? Can there be a is can there, there be a, good a faction? Or bad, can, can there be a fa- Can be what is a good or a bad thing to have a leader of the Spanish-speaking players and a leader of the English-speaking players? Is that a good or so a bad that, thing that, for the team? So those are those are two great points right there. By the way, I commend you. Meaning, because that's really inside, inside, like not inside the straw is inside, but inside. Uh, you don't have it. Joking. Um, anyway, okay. no, I'm serious. Here's what you asked. So think about it. The music in the clubhouse has such, and people would say, like, you're crazy. What are you talking about? The music, whoever controls the music in that clubhouse, has a huge impact on how that team's going to play together. So, like, you're exactly right. There's got to be one leader of the people that, you know, speak English and one leader of the people that don't speak English. And when you have that, it's kind of like the mafia, you know? You have your head of the family, you know? <laughs> All right. So, so when you have the war between the families. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so speaking of, of the families, I don't know. You know, if this was the Godfather, uh, the New York Mets would probably be labeled Godfather Three, the worst of the three movies. Uh, you made some news of your own, taking the social media to voice your opinion, Terry Collins. As far as managers go, you are qualified to talk about the, the player-manager relationship. You played for David Johnson, Nick Leva, Jim Fergosi. You said Terry Collins has lost the team and the players have no confidence. It's pretty obvious. What are you seeing that led you to that conclusion? It's not so much that. What it is is what we really, really got to see is, okay, by the way, I'm happy the Mets just played great baseball and everything went great. But remember, it's easy to manage when everybody's perfect. Nobody's hurt. You're not missing anything. See, because you know why? That's how Davey got away with so long. See, what happens is you don't get exposed. See, the fact that they were thin, all of the managerial moves that Terry Collins made were under a microscope because the games are so tight and the fact that his decisions were basically going to determine the outcome. And he made wrong decision after wrong decision after wrong decision. So when it really came down to it, when it really came down to getting in your foxhole, he's not a guy I want. Never has been. Never has been from Bijo, from Bagwell. The bottom line is, I mean, the guys had great teams. He still got a losing record. Okay? And it's not personal. Terry Collins is probably a great guy. I'm sure I don't know. Probably know. But you know what? I mean, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to tell you the truth, and the truth is he's not the guy. He won't be the guy next year. What scares me next year is who is going to be the manager, you know? Yeah. You and I spoke about this, and, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be Glenn Sherlock, which is another guy. But, but yeah, here, yeah. Mark, me and you, you mean? Yeah, you and I were talking yeah, about that. As a, strip, as a strip club, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a joke, you know. Right, <laughs> Courtesy no, no, laugh, Lenny. Courtesy laugh. Of course, right. of course that's a joke. We're on the Mississippi right now. I mean, people actually live here, too, by the way. Um, oh. No, anyway, so so where I'm going with that is we did speak about that. Yeah. And, and and by the way, that's why I'm doing your show, because, you know, like, it's nice to speak to people that understand how it works, opposed to, um, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> But here, if you're me, not inside, you're outside, man. Right. But here's here's why I love speaking to you because you can you know a lot of people point to me and say you're so old school and, and I don't like the way baseball is headed now because 
the general manager is management now, and the manager becomes middle management. And people say, well, you need a different type of manager to, to manage today's players. And this is why I love speaking to you, because you can talk about this because your two sons, Cutter and Luke, are professional players. You well, know them. Luke, Cutter, Cutter's retired. You know. But was a profe- I'm saying was a professional yeah, he, player he was, in yeah, a different yeah. era than when you played. Yeah. So, and you know right. them. You know how they're wired. Do, would they react the same to any of the managers you played, or do they need a different type of manager because they're, it's a different era and they need you know to be coddled, they need to have their arms put around them when they play poorly? And, you know, that's the the argument I get. Yeah, is, yeah, all great points again, valid, good, solid points, and and and, and points that, that that make make a very conversation and I'm sure are interesting to the crowd. Let me talk about my my my, my two kids, um, at least that I, you know, supported. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, don't name. get yourself in trouble now. Yes, uh, just I'm talk not, about no, Cutter no. and Luke. And, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about Cutter and Luke. Thank you. So Cutter, Cutter, who is married to Jamie Lynn Sigler, the Sopranos uh, actress, and the daughter of uh, of you know Tony Soprano, um, has MS. And Cutter, you know, literally gave up his career to, you know, to take care of his wife and my grandson, which is scary. He's, he's a beautiful kid. I just saw him a few days ago. But so 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 Cutter, but he, he didn't really have what it took. Where Luke, who's now in the Cardinal system, is six to two hundred, and you know, meaning he has the size and strength where he doesn't need to take drugs. And, and as you know, drugs are out of the game. They're no longer in the game, period, the end. So to be able to withstand that schedule, you have to have a built-up frame. But, but where I'm going with this is when you grow up in the Lucky Firm Club, okay, which is a pretty good club to be in, and meaning, see, it, it's different, meaning, like, like I tell Luke, I tell Luke, Luke, I'm here to help you every day. I want you to come help. I want to help you every day. I want to. Do Meaning, what I mean is, it's not the same as when you have to fight for a bed and you have to, you know, split a cheeseburger with Bob's big boy. And but again, that's the life we live in. You know, we want our kids to live nice. We want that. But there's that extra piece missing. I don't know if you know where I'm going with that. No, I understand. I get you. I mean, like when a kid's growing up, in fact, I told my two kids, I told Cutter, I said, you're not playing baseball. You will not be a baseball player. We live at Sherwood Country Club. I have a golf pro for you every day. You're going to go out there, and you're going to live the dream. I said, because playing Major League Baseball, Cutter, is not what you think it is. Now, once you start getting paid, it can overcome. But the road to there is a road that people do not understand. Because if you think about it, there's 30 teams in the major leagues. So we're not talking, that means there's 30 jobs. If you're a second baseman, there's 30 second basemen. Okay? So we're not talking about just the best second baseman in California or New York or Florida or Nebraska or the United States or Japan or China or Puerto Rico. You know where I'm coming from here? Yeah, you look in the best in the world. Right. you get in the world, man. Right. 30 jobs available in the world. Right. So you, and then you have to take someone's job. 
meaning the guy worked hard to get it. He's like, he wants to give his job up. So, but yet we still see mediocre baseball. And, and after naming, like, after me describing that, it sounded like I was defining, like, some kind of, like, you know, superhero. But these guys are still hitting 260 and 265 and striking out 160 times and, you know, playing average, you know, which is, you know, a problem for me, you know. That's a problem. Well, but here's the other thing. So, and let's continue with, with the Met scheme here. You're talking about the best players in the world, guys pushing to get, you know, take that position. There's a guy right now down at AAA that's pushing and, and right. doing everything in his power, putting up numbers, hitting home runs. And very much thinks he's ready. 21 years old, the real deal, and yet the Mets, yeah, and listen, Cabrera played some really nice defense day, but, right. but Struble Cabrera is not the Struble Cabrera from last year, let alone 10 years ago. Why? No, you're right. Again, once again, I like the interviews with you guys. Now you're smart. You guys get it. So why um, is he not first, here? Well, because first, he, well, let's talk about Cabrera. First, he needs to have a salad, mix a salad in, okay? Okay. Meaning, like, uh, he's yeah, over. All right. Remember, <laughs> he's but, no but Prince Fielder, about, but talk, I, I get let's, you. But let's talk about Rosario, though. Right. Let's talk about him. Because so I've, I've, I've been out there, and I've, I've went hard at the best on him. And I'm sure you'll you'll see him come up here in June so that they, they, you know, get, get that extra year before free agency. Meaning, it's so penny-wise and pound-foolish. The guy's 21 years old. He grew up in the Dominican Republic. As soon as he could walk, he was playing baseball. I mean, are you kidding me? Too young. We're trying to get him ready. For what? There's no league. Higher major leagues. That's it. Not like Tony Pena told me. Hey, man, take it easy, man. You're at the highest level, man. Stop it easy. Suave, suave. <laughs> Meaning, like, major leagues. That's it. Like, put him there. He's hitting 330 still, okay? Right. I mean, like, I mean, what are they waiting on? Well, like, I mean, don't give me this. He's not ready yet stuff. I mean, because if he's not ready, I mean, I'm a ballerina dancer. I mean, the guy, and, and he's needed. Right. So, you know. so that's, that's the part I don't like. It tells me the Mets, do they really care about the, about the fans? I mean, is it really? Do they well, really care about them? But that's the funniest thing is, they listen, and, and Jose Reyes in that's, 2000 that's... to 2007 is a different story than Jose Reyes Rosario is everything Jose Reyes was in right. 2007. Why do we need the 2017 well, version of Jose Reyes instead of well, what right. you that, could get? That raises the whole question. You right. say it's Dribble Cabrera. Who's the person I think is more vulnerable? Is it Reyes or Cabrera? I think, both of them I think both point. of them. I think clearly his They're skills. Both, I mean, come on. Cabrera is sick of four. I mean, excuse me. Reyes is sick of four. Can have. He's right. done. Yeah. Yeah. He's done. I mean, he, by the way, let me tell you something. And I'm telling you the truth. I've been in the clubhouse with the guys. I know a player that's been in his position. Him, Granderson, they they get on their knees and pray to whatever God it is they pray to when they walk in, they see their name on the lineup. Trust me. You know why? I've been there, man. They know they're not as they can't compete with these guys who are younger, faster, and stronger. They just can't compete with them. That's the world we live in, man. Right. Two and, more- and, and and so because of money, they keep pushing them out there right. and you know, losing games. Well, here's two more things before we let you go. All right, for me, 
you know, the team, now that Cespedes is semi-back, you know, Bruce is having a good year. The hitting is starting to roll. The team Semi-back. What do you mean by that? I love that. Me you know that. why. Because he, they bring him <laughs> back. They bring play. him back he can't play the for field. a three-game series, and they let him play one game. So why not let him no, get I reps? Love it. I am better than that, though, I love. He's telling them when he's going to play. Right. I mean, he's sitting in the oh, dugout hey, without the, way, the jersey on today. By the way, until it was by the way time. Terry, Terry, I got a little hammered last night, so plus my legs a little bowed. So you know what? Scratch me today, buddy. Uh, <laughs> all right. So listen. So for me, the biggest issue is this team was built around pitching. We've talked about this on this show forever. This team that was built around pitching has yet to put five of those guys through the rotation once. Not once has Wheeler, Degrom, Syndergaard pitched in rotation once. All right. But aside from that. Every single guy has taken a step back. All right, Matt's is back, yeah. injury, whatever. Dan Worthen, how does he have a job? You know, Frankie Viola got all these guys to the pros, you know, whether it be when he was with the Cyclones and he moved over to the, the, the Vegas 51s, but yet Dan Worthen is still the pitching coach. How is that? Well, again, man, you, 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 guys, you guys are too smart for me. I mean, you, you guys got everything. <laughs> you actually get it. I mean, you truly do get it. You guys are making sense. That's why, like, when I used to hang out with Charlie Sheen and we talked baseball, I'd actually, I'd actually listen to him because he actually knew the game. And, and like, instead of the courtesy, you know, you know, we have to play golf with somebody and, like, it's painful and you got to say, oh, good shot. I can't believe that. Well, oh, what a bad break. Oh, but that's pain. Okay. So what I mean is talking to you guys, you guys are bringing up points of intelligence. But the bottom line is they're going to clean house after this year. They're not going to do it all. But, again, like me and Mark talked about, I think that the pitching coach or, excuse me, the bench coach is going to probably be the front runner for the job. That being said, they have to interview Howard Johnson. Okay? They have to. I mean, mean, if they don't – but I'm saying, like, so is that our manager next year? Is that him? I hope not. And that, that's the other point that I want to bring up to you because you could speak about this more than anyone. It seems that other teams around the league like to bring back guys from their glory years when hiring coaches. You look at what the Mets have done with these 86 guys who have been around the team. Wally was buried in the minors and, and really screwed over a number of times. Tim Tuffle was dismissed as a coach at the major league level, now works in the minors. Mookie fired as a coach. Howard Johnson fired as hitting coach. Bobby Ojeda was fired from SNY, an arm of the Mets, because he talked disparagingly about them on postgame shows. Ron and Keith are in the booth, but that's because they have such a huge fan base. But you look around the league, there are guys from your team still doing stuff in the league. Rafael Santana worked as the head of player development. Lee Mazzilli works for the Yankees. Roger McDowell, Neiman, Rick Anderson, all the pitching coaches. But yet the guys that know how to succeed in New York, that 86 team, can't smell a job in the organization. Why do you think that's, that is? Uh, that's funny. I mean, again, now you're getting so inside, you're getting starting to be like CIA type stuff now. Okay. I mean, why? I mean, probably because of the guys that Bernie Nadoff robbed um, are making the decisions. And, and the decisions have... Failed miserably year after year after year after year. I mean, Sandy Alderson, look, I respect him. He's a great baseball man. But, see, in life, when you get old, you don't work as good. So he's been doing this 35 years. 35 years. I mean, 
Can you imagine, like, when you're getting ready to go, like, you know, when you put your clothes on, you look in the mirror and you say, okay, I'm ready, you know, and, like, I can't wait. Like, I don't think there's that, I can't wait to get to my, you know, um, job. Hi, honey. Okay, honey, have a good day. I'll see you after the game. Meaning, like, stick a fork in and he's done. I mean, really? I mean, like, and, and, you know, I don't know what this whole... Good, you know, like Mr. Good, the gift be this great person, like to be in the mess. Like you said, Backman, Backman got railroaded. Backman yeah. would have won two World Series already. Mm-hmm. He would have been a manager. It's, uh, you and I are on the same page. I love Wally. Yeah, Lenny. Because Backman drank, he drank and made it known, opposed to drink in the closet, like probably some others. It's, see, there you go. There it is. See, so where it is is, is is like that quote by Oscar Wilde, you know, and by me. By the way, me dropping an Oscar Wilde quote. Reference right. Is, <laughs> but I can't even tell you because I don't know it. That's how hard it is. But no, anyway, listen. I love talking to you guys because you guys always come from a point of of of, of intelligence, and so you know the time went by fast. And you can call me whenever you want. The best time to reach me is uh, 24-7, okay? You, you got it, Lenny. Thanks so much for your time. I uh, always love it when my phone rings and I see it's you on the other end. I know. <laughs> I never know what direction the, the call is going to go in. And when we get off the phone, I'm still not really sure which direction the call went in. Hey, you know what? Remember something. When a man loses everything, he's capable of anything. You got it, Lenny. Thanks so much. The All one right, and only Lenny Dykstra, the best-selling author of House of Nails, still available everywhere.